Let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, thank you for this Lord's Day that we can uh, come and worship you as a family. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would, again, uh, work in us, work in our hearts and minds to um, cause us to love your word, to love who you are as we learn more about you, um, and that we would have a greater desire to honor you as God. We ask, Lord, that you would bless all of the worship service this morning uh, and that you would be present with us, um, close to us. And we love you, Lord. Pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. So, for the benefit and joy of John Lafferty, instead of what you see up here today, we're going to start an 18-part series on uh, typology. Not really. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit, um, it was my intent, my intention all week up until late Thursday night, uh, to show up here this morning and learn alongside you guys. I hadn't even looked at this lesson. Uh, and then Aaron asked me to do this this morning. So, if it's not all that great, yeah, take it up with Aaron. No. Um, but, that being said, I um, am really loud. Am I really loud? No? Just sounds really loud up here. Okay, good. Um, Um, that being said, we will be talking about the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit. However, it's just going to be uh, more of an introduction. Some, let's just uh, become reacquainted, as it were, with the Holy Spirit in Scripture. So if you are one of the people, one of those people who like to jot down Scripture references, your inkwell better be filled because we're going to reference a lot of Scripture. And you, don't, you won't have time to look it up. I'll be up here. Um, so the objectives for this lesson are as follows. Uh, first, to demonstrate that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a uh, spiritual force. It is not the equal opposite to the dark side. And uh, it needs to be balanced. Holy Spirit is a uh, a person, and then to demonstrate the deity of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Trinity, which we will also uh, go over an explanation of the Trinity. And then to give an overview of the role of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life. 
Um, we will do all of those things. Today, though, we will, we will, it will be more introductory, just a refresher on who the Holy Spirit is. And, uh, in the short amount of time that I had been orienting my mind to this, this subject, uh, I was listening to a sermon by A.W. Tozer, and in this sermon, he said, I, I was preaching at a church, and, um, I felt compelled to say that many churches today are so completely without God that if the Holy Ghost should depart from them, they wouldn't find out for three months. And I thought about it, and I played it back, and I listened to it again and again and again, and I started to think about my own life. Now, I do believe that if the Holy Spirit were to depart from me, which, again, is not possible for for believers, the Holy Spirit indwells us forever. Um, but if the Holy Spirit were to depart from me, would I, would I recognize it? Um, if, like in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit had, had come upon Saul and, and then departed from him, would I, would I notice? How long would it take for me to notice? Uh, am I so in tune with the Holy Spirit that I would recognize it instantly? Am I relying on Him from moment to moment? to help me respond to my family members appropriately, humbly, patiently? Am I uh, clinging to him so tightly for my ability to maintain a righteous mind, to have unselfish motivations for doing things? Um, when I am tempted to become discouraged, do I immediately run to him uh, for hope? Or might it take me a few days to recognize the lack of the Holy Spirit at work in my life? Would it take few weeks, months. Um, I do believe I would notice, but it's something that we should think about. Um, I found a, another, a similar quote where he said it a bit more eloquently. Um, and he said it in this way. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we, w- what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. However, if the Holy Spirit had withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop, and everybody would know the difference. Now, it's encouraging to me that what we do here on Sunday is like 95% of what we do. We don't have 
tons of ministries and, and events going on and entertaining uh, activities for children and youth. And primarily what we do here is preach the word and teach it and we fellowship together around the word and uh, that's encouraging. However, as a church, we probably should uh, regularly reflect on, the, on, on whether or not what we are doing, if we are doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Or do we begin to uh, attempt to do it on our own power? Um, being the least of the saints at this church, I, I feel confident that most of you have this thing nailed down a little bit better than I do. Um, but I doubt that any of us are where we would like to be with our dependency on the Holy Spirit. Uh, so it is something that we probably should reflect on more more often. <clears throat> um, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Just throw some things out there. Just he is God. Yeah. Third person of the Trinity. Helper left to us. Yep. When Jesus left. He's he's many things. He is those things for sure. <clears throat> um, but I came up with a particular uh, summary of what what I would like for us to get away come away with this morning, and that is that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the life giving dynamic power of God. <clears throat> now, being good presuppositionalists here at SVBC, we're going to forego the first one uh, and just presuppose that God is the, uh, the third person of the Trinity. Um, But I wanted to to take a look at some scriptures to encourage us um, about the life-giving, dynamically powerful elements that the Spirit of God um, is and to our benefit. So uh, before we do, let's, let's look at some of the names of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot more than I thought there were as I started uh, to look. He is the eternal spirit in Hebrews 9, 14. He is the Lord. He's referred to as the Lord in 2 Corinthians 3, 17. He is the good spirit in Nehemiah 9, 20, Psalm 143, 10. The helper, John 14, 26 and 16, 7. And he is the spirit of grace in Hebrews 10, 29. He's the Sovereign Lord, referred to as the Sovereign Lord in Isaiah 61.1. He is the Lord, Hebrews 10.29. And I think I just got that reference wrong. Uh, he's referred to as God, Genesis 1.2. The Spirit of God in Genesis 1.2 uh, and Job 33.4. Uh, 
the spirit of the living God in 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. He's the spirit of adoption in Romans 8.15. The spirit of the Father in Matthew 10.20. The spirit of Christ in Romans 8.9. Spirit of the Son in Galatians 4.6. And the Spirit of God in Genesis 1-2 and Job 33-4, which I purely, clearly uh, duplicated. Uh, the Spirit of life in Romans 8-2. The Spirit of truth, John 14-17. The Spirit of wisdom and revelation in Ephesians 1-17. Spirit of glory in 1 Peter 4.14. And all three in Isaiah 11.2, he's the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, and the spirit of knowledge. Now, symbolically in John's apocalypse, who can tell me um, who the Holy Spirit is referenced as? Or is depicted as. <clears throat> the seven spirits before the throne. In uh, chapter 1 verse 4. The seven spirits of God in chapter 3 verse 1. The seven torches of fire in chapter 4, verse 5. And the seven eyes in chapter 5, verse 6. If you remember, uh, John sees a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And it had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Um. So I thought we could take a look at the very first instance of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Start at the beginning. That's the, the best part, or the best way to start. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So the, the first element of that uh, that summary statement that I gave you is what we'll look at first, the, the life-giving um, aspect of the Spirit, of the, of the Holy Spirit. Now, can anybody tell me what this Hebrew word is? Close. In, the, in Genesis 1, 1 to 2. It's just spirit. Yeah, just spirit. Can, does anybody know how to pronounce this Hebrew word? Sim, you know. Ruach. Ruach. It means uh, wind, breath, mind, or spirit. Now, the New Testament, the Greek word in the New Testament, what is the, the word for spirit?
if you remember, if you remember, well, if any of the men remember, oh, you're only you're the only one here. Uh, when we went through the, the study of the Holy Spirit, it had a particular term, something ology, pneuma. Pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit, um, and it also means wind, breath, uh, mind, spirit. So it's not it's not uh, unusual that the Holy Spirit associates Himself in Scripture with those elements, um, and we'll look at some of those now. Acts two one through four. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And the divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. John 3, 6-8. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Job 33, 4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then later on, a few verses down, he reveals to us what that breath is. God says, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for for reproof, correct for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. And how did God... Uh, sorry. Second uh, Peter 1, 20 to 21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we see that scripture was breathed out by God. Um, and it came into being as men were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So, back to Genesis 1, 1 and 2. Um, that Job ref- reference, uh, uh, 33, 4, was pretty explicit. Uh, the Holy Spirit gave him life. Um, one of the other interesting things in in verse 2 is the word hovering. Rachaf. The word hovering or moving, your, your translation might say, uh, carries with it the idea of brooding. Um, so you can imagine the Holy Spirit uh, as he begins to breathe life into the universe, um, hovering over his creation uh, with, with nurturing care. That's not an impersonal force, by the way. So uh, back to this summary, uh, let's focus on the dynamic power of God. Now, I forgot to put this in there, but the New Testament word for power, does anybody know what that is? Did you just say it? Dunamis, right, which sounds like dynamite, right? Um, However, the, the word dynamic I place there also it would be redundant, but the word dynamic also can mean like the force that causes motion. Um, so we see the Holy Spirit in creation breathing life and then causing things to happen powerfully. And we see this all throughout Scripture. Uh, so let's look at some of those passages. Micah 3.8 But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Luke one thirty five, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Luke 4, 14 and 15. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Acts 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts 10, 37 and 38, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Romans fifteen thirteen, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit 
you may abound in hope. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 3 and 5. And Ephesians three fourteen to 16. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. First Thessalonians 1, 4 and 5. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Uh, so we see there in these passages that the Holy Spirit uh, associates himself with power. Um, so I was convicted that well i do I, I do pray regularly that the holy spirit would would fill me uh, so that i can become more like christ I teach my children to pray that way and um, i from time to time pray and ask the lord to grow the fruits of his spirit in me But I realized it had been quite some time before I had pleaded with the Lord to fill me overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, My tendency is to become complacent. I don't know about you guys. Uh, to become complacent, to attempt to do things in my own strength. Uh, I'm not very good at that. Um, and it it can be difficult to respond patiently to your spouse or to your children when you're relying on your own strength. And it can be hard to Be successful in fighting temptation when you're relying on your own power. And as I was reading all these passages, it's so stupid that it's there. The, the dynamic power, life-giving power of the Holy Spirit is there for us at all times. As Denise mentioned, uh, he is our helper. Jesus promised. He said, it's better for me to go. Because if I go, I'll send another helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the comforter. And he'll be with you all the time. And I know that's true, but I think 
in the everyday moment to moment moment to moment life fast paced living that we all do uh, we get busy and we forget to apply it practically um, so again i i don't know about you guys uh but i need to i need to advance in this area and clinging to the Holy Spirit for his power. Um, The gifts of the Holy Spirit are ours. They've been given to us to use. We can't use them on our own strength or power, and we ought to be using them for the edification of each other. We should be doing it as often as... allowed by circumstance. Um, We should be depending every day on the power of the Holy Spirit to stir us up to love and good deeds for one another. Um, I thought about Christian in the Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, He and Hopeful are in the dungeon of the giant despair. They're defeated. They're beaten up. They're hopeless. And they could have walked out of that dungeon days ago. But they stayed there. Because the Christian had forgotten that the entire time he had the key of promise in his pocket. It would lock, unlock any door in the castle. And to give away the um, the finale of this lesson, uh, there's more than one way to experience the, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, but the greatest way is through the scriptures. And the key of promise for Christian was all of the promises of God. So, my challenge for you this week is to think about some of these things um, and even proactively to memorize this verse if you haven't and to add on to it verse 15 for more context. It's only two verses, not very long. To memorize it, to meditate on it, and to examine your hearts, to see where it is that you are not trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit from day to day. Um, there are some, uh, I didn't add this in there, but there are some, some difficulties to studying the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, that might be difficult for us to to think on these things, uh, does anybody have any any thoughts on that? You might uh, make us a little hesitant to focus on the Holy Spirit. Uh, one is 
our flesh. It's an obvious one. Um, because we have, we still have indwelling sin remaining in our flesh. Um, it can be difficult for us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Another one is that, especially for um, a Baptist denomination, the Holy Spirit is abused widely in in evangelicalism. There's an overemphasis, uh, an imbalance in American evangelicalism to focus on the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think I heard Steve Lawson say in reference to uh, Joel Osteen's ministry, if your emblem, the emblem of your ministry is the Holy Spirit, you may be imbalanced. It's the Holy Spirit's role to point us to Christ, not himself. Um, and so that can be, that can be difficult. We see the People rolling around on the floor, laughing and barking like dogs and running through fire tunnels and uh, speaking unintelligibly. Gold dust floating from the air vents miraculously. Feathers. Uh, And it can cause us, it might cause us to be cautious to uh, focus on the Holy Spirit, but to neglect him is far more dangerous. Uh, because we do rely on him every moment of every day for anything we do that pleases God, anything. Even for me to stand here and say anything to you that would be beneficial to you has to be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, For Aaron to preach to us, it has to be done by the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit who enables us to receive it. The good works that we do. We looked at that two weeks ago. Even the good works that we work are worked within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So then, why do we not depend on him every second of every day? That's what I was asking myself. It's absolutely foolish. Because of Romans 7. Wretched man that I am. Thankfully there's Romans 8. Because of Romans 9. Um, So I had more things to say, but I didn't, my notes weren't uh, fully developed. Is there anything anybody would like to add? Any words of wisdom or any comments or objections to something stupid I said? Anything that, any one of those passages that stood out to you?
Yeah. And it, go ahead. And I, I know that I've heard personally um, that churches who are from somebody that, that churches who are cessationist um, tend to be cold and unfeeling. Not vivacious. The frozen chosen. It's true. Prove that the Holy Spirit is in you by the good works that He works in us. How do we find the balance so that we don't become holy rollers and lack self-control or, or are extremely, uh, extremely cold? How, how, how might we find a balance? Hold each other accountable. Check with brothers and sisters. The word of God. Pray for it. compare the abuses that we see to scripture so that we make sure we're not making the same errors I might suggest understanding the trinity more completely we're learning about Christ in the men's study it would be good to learn about the Father and the Spirit and their inner workings, how they, what their different roles are. And we've done some of that. We've learned about um, Christ, the work of Christ. And uh, just make sure that we are being balanced in what we study and focus upon in Scripture. Because again, if if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. And if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Spirit. We need all three of them because He is one unified, perfect God. Um, Jesus taught us to pray. When you pray, you pray like this. Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, I did read somewhere recently man, I can't remember who it was. I want to say Steve Lawson, but I don't think it was. Uh, who said that it was appropriate to pray to the Holy Spirit. Any thoughts on that? I just heard something in the 
Anybody disagree with that? To pray to all three is appropriate, according to R.C. Sproul. I mean... That's a good question. Aaron? Jack? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's something we'll look up this week and find out. Um, so any, I, I guess this week, as I, I hope that you would prepare your hearts and minds to study the Holy Spirit and that we would put him in his rightful place in our hearts and not neglect him. Um, And that's all I have for today. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. He is. You missed you missed the joke this morning. Yeah. That's true. He did. So even 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 as we even as we pray this week. For the life-giving, dynamic power of the Holy Spirit to to fill us up, to overflowing, to stir us up to love and good deeds, uh, we can be confident that um, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, and we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Most of the time. Even our prayers are flawed due to our indwelling sin. But the Holy Spirit uh, prays for us with groanings too deep for words that we could even express ourselves. So, um, yes. And it's going to be even greater consolation 
when we look at the scripture uh, that they would have observed to come to that conclusion. All right. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for bringing us here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for enlightening us to its meaning. We thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that indwells us and will never leave us. I ask now, Lord, for myself and on behalf of, on behalf of everyone else in here that uh, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, with power, and that you would grow in us the fruits of the Spirit, and that you would cultivate the gifts that you have given us and encourage us to use them for each other's edification. Lord, help us not to neglect your spirit. Praise things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.